You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, it's Brett Valentini once again hosting the Mothership Podcast, Southside Sox Podcast number 52, and we have quite a collection for you. Just talking White Sox first half, looking ahead to second half, maybe some trade chips. Who knows? Maybe Trevor Bauer will come up. All right, let's see. In some sort of order here, we have, I don't know, returning champion. She is a killer when it comes to doing the six-pack of stats recaps. It's Crystal O'Keefe. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you for representing Indianapolis. I don't know what happened to Super yeah. Joseph Rhesus. Uh, I don't know if I'm legally obligated to um, do that. Like, I don't know where he is, but I feel like my other half is missing. Check the trash can outside. He might be uh, trash diving for some leftover churros, birthday cake. We know he cruises in the neighborhood. Uh, okay, Tyrone Palmer, two for two, pretty much just joined us. And now, man, this is your third podcast. I'm loving it. Thank you. Uh, welcome back, Tyrone. Thank you for hopping on with us. Guitar sax, Scott Reichard. I forgot what you look like. It's good to see you. Thank you for hopping on and uh, talking some white thicker. socks with us. Beard's a little thicker than last time, but other than that, things are about the same. You've 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 weathered quarantine well. Darren Brown uh, finally broke just a mild losing streak. We we're going to have to have a talk. We did it. We, we called sort of an emergency staff meeting, got through it. And look, you came back with uh, your first victory covering six pack of stats, uh, hopping on board with the, the Crystal O'Keefe train. And I believe Saturday, uh, first actual recap duty. So you're double dipping already. Uh, welcome, Darren. Good to have you on a first, technically first Southside Talk podcast. Yeah, it's great to do this and talk to a lot of good people. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm Brett. 
How's everybody doing? Okay, let's talk about this first half of the White Sox. Uh, and I want to specifically hone in on this stretch run to the All-Star break. These are real must games. I know because the White Sox are ahead by like 18 games, we're not supposed to be uptight about the fact that they are not necessarily winning all the winnable games they need. Uh, they definitely need to bank, I would think, at least two of three against Baltimore. This is the really last week stretch of the season, at least until maybe September. It lightens up a little bit. Uh, have the White Sox taken advantage of the stretch that began with Pittsburgh and will end uh, right with the All-Star break uh, sufficiently in you guys' eyes? I think so, yes. They won on July 1st, and that's what mattered most to me. But uh, they came back against the Twins. They've been kind of putting on their rally caps. So I am satisfied with where they're at right now. Any dissatisfaction uh, amongst the crew, or am I just am I just the tough guy? I mean, I guess a little bit. Like, I feel like they could have done better, but also it's hard to really complain when the rest of the division's this awful. So it kind of feels just like as long as they're around five hundred, the rest of the way they're fine. So this is the, this is the Rick Hahn Tony Larusa dream. The whole division just. <laughs> torpedoes itself so they can just sort of tap dance uh into october but you know listen this is this is our division what you know what are you going to do the fact that cleveland is falling apart and there's no other challenge in the division uh i mean just, i guess you just got to take advantage of that um scott darren uh, any different feelings do they need to be capitalizing more i believe i predicted just in a recent podcast that they they, they really ought to have gone eight and one, nine and oh, with this stretch, they're not going to do that. So uh, either one of you a little unsatisfied or am I just a jerk? Um, it's hard to be dissatisfied. How many regulars do they have left right now? The, uh, the Chicago replacements, the final <laughs> destination socks, whatever you want to call them. Um, let's see, we've got a Brayu, we've got Moncada, we've got Anderson and we've got Vaughn and everybody else is hurt. And I think probably three of those guys aren't feeling too great right now, or two, yeah. at least two of them, with a Brayu and I know Moncada's achy. Um, so, how can you be dissatisfied? So, so what you're saying, Scott, is I'm just a jerk. That's all right. It oh. wouldn't be the first time on these podcasts. It wouldn't be the first time. Your words, not mine. <laughs> oh, I'll own it. I'll own it. Mean uh, old Brett. I'll say it. Okay, Darren, I'm going to give you the opportunity here. Uh, first half, then, I'm going to guess people are pretty happy with how the first half of the season has gone. Of course, we're well into technically the uh, numerical. Uh, we're into the second half now. But uh, this really, this season, the way it's going so far, has got to really be beyond your wildest dreams of how this is playing out. Yeah, like we've been talking about, you do have the fortune there of just being in you know one of the weaker divisions. You know, Maybe some of this stuff that's happened wouldn't work you know, in a division like the National League West or something like that. But just for where they're at right now and how many people they've had to move up and bring in, uh, they're in a really good spot. And just to have a, you know, sizable lead as of now heading into the All-Star break, um, you can't really ask for much more. Uh, I like to do this because I'm a jerk. I'm annoying. Uh, White Sox right now, 51-35, eight games up in the Central. It's ridiculous. The rest of the teams are in quicksand. The White Sox? keeping their head well above water. Magic number, guys, 70. Magic number. Uh, run differential, 90, uh, 99 plus 99. Uh, that makes them, I think, fifth in baseball. They're definitely only behind the Astros in the American League. 
Uh, if you take that run differential, project it, what they should do for the rest of the season, that's a 100-win season, which I think, aside from just a couple lunatics on staff before the season, uh, no one was that high in the White Sox. And certainly no one would have, been, would have been that high in the White Sox having any clue as to the injuries. The only one we knew of at the time, I believe, would have been Aloy Jimenez. Uh, so the White Sox clearly have well outpaced any reasonable expectations uh, we could have of them. Is that the general consensus here that uh, we, this really is uh, like a Christmas morning situation for us? I think so. Yeah. I mean, we're basically playing half white socks, half Charlotte nights. So this is phenomenal for what we're working with. What is the, does somebody have a theory on what is going on with the team could the team be possibly could could the clubhouse chemistry be so good that guys who don't really have any business gavin sheets jake berger we've had a number of players come up from charlotte not necessarily ready to excel Uh, gavin sheets is playing right field he's played about 15 games in his life or in his professional life in right field Obviously, we had the Andrew Vaughn situation. We've got guys who are being challenged and put in positions that they would not really, by any stretch of the imagination, succeed. Uh, and they have. Is there something about the clubhouse culture? Is it just winning? Could it possibly even be Tony LaRussa in the manager's seat? Is there something on this team that allows guys to come on, see the, the sort of a winning atmosphere going, and immediately sort of let them click in? Jake Berger didn't, didn't miss a beat. Gavin Sheets didn't miss a beat. This is getting uncanny because the Charlotte Knights aren't anything particularly special. Uh, these are good players, but the fact that they've hit the ground running the way they have, it, it sort of defies imagination. I guess I'll go if, if no one else wants to take it. Um, yeah. see, see, to me, really what it's all about is the guy that we have on the mound is better than the guy the other team has on the mound. Right. I mean, I think that is the big secret. Um, the position players, um, no disrespect to them. There's obviously some good ones, but uh, they aren't out slugging the other team on very many occasions. There's been some games here and there. They're a good offense, but I think maybe that pitching takes some of the pressure off of them and lets them just go out and perform. And some of that Charlotte Knights team it was full of talent. It was just guys that haven't had things go right for them as they were coming up. Berger is the perfect example. Um he was going to be a fringy top 100 guy before his Achilles decided to, to tear on him two, two consecutive times. So um, Gavin Sheets is a second round pick. He's an older guy. Uh, we're not talking about bringing 19 year olds up and having them perform. We're talking about guys in their mid twenties that are pretty mature that have had some time in the minor leagues to, to season themselves. And, uh, but, but really it's, you get to throw Rodon and Lynn out there two out of every five games and they're what one, two in the Cy Young race right now. Uh, and then you have the best closer in the American league. So good luck to all yeah, the other yeah. teams. It's such a strange mix. Uh, the White Sox injuries aren't necessarily any worse than any other teams. Um, certainly not worse than every other teams, but the balance is very unique. The fact that really the pitching staff knocking a lot on wood here, pitching staff has basically been essentially completely intact. Uh, and the position players have taken such a massive, they've taken all of the injuries. I mean, that's where all the attrition is. That's such a strange balance. And, you know, Scott, that's a great point in, in that, you know, it tells you how important pitching is because these guys have just been horses. We've only seen a little faltering maybe in the last few weeks. And even then we've had great starts and then maybe some mediocre starts. Uh, it, it speaks to how 
successful you can be just with the great pitching being run out there and a bullpen that's always been at the very least solid. I will say I just wrote about this. It has like, I just submitted it earlier, but I kind of touched on how a lot of these players, even the new ones are coming in, they're just gaining these skills because they're in this kind of mindset of this could be the year that we could still win it all and kind of face this adversity head on. So I think a lot of these guys are in this mentality of we're actually really good. There's a lot of talent. Let's really get into this position and let's just do our best to win. And they're getting these opportunities. They didn't. So I think there's a lot of like adrenaline and hype for a lot of these younger players too. They're just, they're ready for it. They want, they're hungry. They want the ring too. So I think aside from phenomenal pitching, I mean, there's nothing more to say. They're just incredible, but I think it's a lot of young guys that want to do this and want the chance to do it and are only improving because they're just riddled with injury right now. You're welcome. Very sly plug for your, for your work. So (laughs) sly, I didn't even acknowledge, but yes, of course, Uh, look for it tomorrow. Terrific, terrific piece come from Crystal. You know, it's uh, sometimes uh, White Sox fans are criticizing maybe being too negative or or, or critical. Uh, This takes a definite uh, different tack. And there's a lot to be positive about with this team. And even going forward, certainly to this point, easy to be very positive about the team, certainly even going forward on that note, before we go to break uh, the pitching staff uh, has been phenomenal. Obviously, we're, we've got a razor-thin margin here. Aloy Jimenez apparently is coming back. We'll get to him in the second half. But not necessarily any other true reinforcements uh, waiting in the wings. We've seen a little bit of crack in the rotation. Not, not badly at all. But, of course, like with so many teams, you, just, you are just an injury away. The fact that the lineup is really pressed to the max at this point without real in reinforcements and even a guy like Yasmani Grindel when he comes back might not even be catching him. Uh, are we still just, again, this is not to be negative, but just to be uh, realistic, you know, could this get a lot more nerve wracking in the second half? Do we feel comfortable that even with some attrition that this division is so bad, we're at least seeing October? I, I at least think that like, I mean, you never know, but I, I can't see the attrition that like the Sox go through to be any worse than what Cleveland or Detroit or I don't even know <laughs> will go through in the second half. So I feel like right now it's more just if the pitching staff kind of takes a step back, that puts a serious dent in like the prospects for October. So I think that's more the issue right now is just comparing ourselves to the Astros and the Athletics and the, the Tampa Bay Rays of the world. Run differential-wise, uh, Cleveland it projects to be the second-place team at the end of the season. With 75 wins, that would be a 25-game division win for the White Sox. And, you know, that's if everything holds. And, of course, it may not. But, boy, it's getting to the point where it may not may not even come into play. Uh, anyone else have concern about just, you know, waiting for the sky to fall? Or is this team somewhat bulletproof, especially given who they're competing with? I would definitely say they're a lock for being in the postseason at this point. You know, I think, you know, especially with an eight game cushion where you're, you still got a lot of season left, but that's a pretty good lead where you can have a, you know, sloppy game here or there. But I still think that the people who have been unlucky as far as on the pitching side and maybe in the bullpen, especially 
that, you know, they'll come to form too. If other things don't come to form and so that'll balance itself out by, you know, some luck back. And yeah, I don't think it'll change a lot from where it's at now. Yeah. If you were, if you were to look at a list of career years, particularly for guys, you wouldn't expect to be having a great year. Lance Lynn's having a terrific year, but you would have expected some, some good performance from him. I don't know how many guys are really breaking out as well. Oh, they'll never do that again. So that's a good point, Darren, in that, you know, they're guys, I mean, as much as we can say, well, what if, you know, XYZ player regresses? Well, a guy like Dallas Keuchel hasn't necessarily stepped up to the degree he could. The bullpen obviously has been a little bit nerve wracking at times. And you'd like to think that, you know, Foster, Hoyer, Marshall, somebody of that mix, you know, might get their footing for a second half. So yeah, it's not necessarily just looking up in the sky for bad things. There could be some rainbows too. Way to point out the rainbows, Darren. Thank you very much. It's nice. Uh, maybe on the rainbow note, it's a good time to take a break. Uh, we will be back uh, very shortly talking about some other stuff, um, but mostly just the White Sox. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hey, the minute's over. We're back. It was really quick. I'm Brett Ballantini with all these terrific people on Southside Sox podcast. Number 52, we've been talking first half. Uh, I guess I've outed myself as being, as usual, the, the EOR of the group and, and being a little more nervous than everyone else. Although, listen, I'm the one pointing out all this run differential stuff. White Sox still projected to be a 100-win team this season. And if they get any healthier, oh, man, could get even scarier than that. Okay, one big plus. Apparently, it's imminent. He's probably already, he's probably showing up. He's probably showing up in, in Baltimore, just ready to play. Going to try to try to sneak out into left field. And that's Aloy Jimenez. Uh, apparently his rehab has been going very well. He says his swing is better than like it's ever been, or he feels stronger than, than ever or something. Uh, he's positive. Not that you expect anything else from him, but as much as it's a tired sort of thing to be like, well, there's not going to be any better trade deadline acquisition than getting your injured player back. The truth is getting Aloy Jimenez, even just in the DH slot, is going to be an awful big shot in the arm for the White Sox. Uh, is, is this what you're anticipating? Do you think there's any chance of any delay before, say, August 1st and any a poor performance from Aloy? Or do you expect him to do what basically he's in the major leagues to do, which is just mash the ball? I think, I think he's going to come back and crush it and be just fine. I think it goes to show how strong he was, that he's a little ahead of schedule recovery time-wise. Um, I mean, he's young, so he's young and he's in shape, so it's not too big of a surprise. But I think he's going to come back and it's going to be over for the rest of the league. <laughs> it's going to be scary. That's a throwdown from O'Keefe. That's a throwdown. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right. Well, then let me pose this question. Um, <laughs> and I'm not talking about forever. <laughs> we have our own opinions about forever. And it's a different podcast to talk about forever. But does Eloy Jimenez play an inning in the outfield this season? Yes. Yes, he will. I don't think the Sox have a choice because um, once Grandal comes back, hoping yeah. that he does, um, it's a good chance that even if he's able to catch, he's not going to be able to catch every day he needs to be in the lineup. And he'll probably be DHing some, and he might need to DH a Bray some. Who knows how many times uh, he's going to get hit on the knee with a fastball again. He maybe <laughs> needs to take off from first base. Uh, I, I hope I didn't jinx anybody. <laughs> But yeah, he's he's probably going to have to play some left field, and we're just going to have to really hope that he doesn't do anything crazy and you know doesn't fall into the net and or, or you know try to rob a home run and, and hurt himself again. We're just going to have to hope he's careful enough to handle it. And this is the year where the soccer just—I mean, if anyone can theoretically play the outfield, they're putting them out there. So I, I think I'd I'd be shocked if he doesn't at least play a couple games out there. Also, I feel like I, I just I never want to count on the health of everybody else. So I'm like they they may need him to play left or you know. So I I, I doubt they're going to just solely have him DH the rest of the way. It's ironic that the one guy who technically is a left fielder would essentially be like putting a guy who's never played left field in left field. And and you know, listen, Andrew Vaughn did it. Gavin Cheats is doing it to some degree in right field. Well, having Luis Robert back would help because Luis Robert can pretty much cover to about five feet of the, well, he could probably just cover to the pole. Um, Eloy doesn't seem to like that. He seems to take pride in his defense and he's clearly not watching enough game film, but uh, he, he doesn't, he's admitted that he's not really watching a ton of White Sox as it is because it makes him sad. It's <laughs> just too sweet. I can just imagine turning it on and just sort of watching and being a little happy and then just sort of getting sad like I'm not there and I can't say hi mom in the dog out and just goes and has a snack. I hope he's eating Domino's with Luis Robert <laughs> at least. Some comfort in pizza. Some late night TikToks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Eloy's coming back. Apparently going to play a little left field. Uh, manager or outfield coach, uh, guitar socks, Reichert is going to let him back out in left field. All right. Okay. I guess we got to be ready for it. That's going to be a, that's going to be a special podcast right there. Uh, but okay. There are still gaps on this team. Uh, injuries, obviously second base is a glaring one with Nick Madrigal out. Definitely not coming back. Of course, there's always a need for relief help. <sighs> Technically you could say, Hey, a starter arm wouldn't be the worst thing, even though right now, nowhere to slot a starter. Um, right field uh what's an urgent need for the white Sox, or is there an urgent need for the white Sox? joey gallo hmm. that's that's all i have to say just go get joey gallo and uh world series champs i mean it's pretty much that simple yeah i mean for th- whatever three outcomes guy uh you don't usually associate that with like near gold glove defense or, or a, a defensive presence and so that's an interesting thing you get with Gallo. I mean, you can look at the batting average and say, what, what in the world are we trading young prospects for this guy? But he's as good an outfielder as we'd have on the White Sox if we acquired him. Uh, not, not a bad name there. Let's keep in mind, 
what do we have that we can trade to get legitimate? Maybe we could just get to a gallo, but we're talking to Adam Frazier and maybe even some other names. And it's just, it's interesting to try to put together the puzzle to know, okay, even if we take some of the best of what we have, is that even enough to get some of these guys, particularly the guys who have some control left in them in their careers. So I guess we do have to temper our enthusiasm a little bit, but other names, other positions that jump out at you as, as, as the real priority for the White Sox? Does anyone want Zach Collins? Because I'm willing to part with that. Not much else. <laughs> but he can go. He was one of the two that I needed to be gone, and one of them is now gone. So, <laughs> Without naming any names. I won't uh, bring that up. I love that Zach Collins is a that. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's about where I'm at. Poor Colleen and I, we were very angry with him. But um, A person, a place, or a thing, or a that. He's a that. He's a that. Well, it's made it complicated, of course. Yasmani being injured uh, suddenly makes Zach Collins um, almost um, indispensable. I know that yeah. hurts your heart, uh, Crystal, but... Um, yeah, you certainly can't. You can't shove him off in a giveaway deal. He's not going to Arizona for Eduardo Escobar. That's for sure. You know, not to break any hearts there, but uh, obviously, yes, uh, the, the clever host here misses spaces on really the one true position of need with White Sox have no coverage unless your mean Mercedes has learned to call a game and maybe two games down in Charlotte. Uh, the White Sox have, I dare say, no catching, and uh, I guess that has to be priority. Problem is there isn't a lot of catching out there. Is this a dilemma we're just going to have to live with? And Sebi Zavala. And his 50% K rate is going to be what we have to roll with. We could contact the Phillies because I would take Real Muto any day. Yeah. 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 Um, hmm. That might cost a lot. Or are they in the mode to give him away because of that? Hey, listen, I, why don't we just get Bryce Harper then? Let's just take <laughs> no. the Bryce Harper contract, which we should have in the first place. <laughs> No, Still doesn't want Bryce Harper. Oh boy, oh gosh, man, we got like two or three series of podcasts we got to have here, and we only we only have time for one. Um, we could maybe go to Pittsburgh and get uh, Stallings and Frazier just do a package deal yeah. for both. They do have guys. I mean, betrayed by their awful record, but they do have guys. Rodriguez in the pen. Uh, certainly, Frazier is 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 high. And what's nice about Frazier is he, can't, even though he is, I guess, primarily or, or mo- most desirably a second baseman, can also maybe shift to right field for next year. So it's not like this is just some sort of weird all in move for like six weeks of second base play. Um, yeah. It'd be nice to, to strike something with Pittsburgh again. I, I, I wonder how much we have to throw at Pittsburgh to make them go. Yeah, sure. You know, take our guys, not that they're playing for anything, but uh, any chance. All right. Let's have a fun crosstown one. Uh, is there any chance the Cubs ever make a trade with the White Sox again? Like in, in this, like, decade given what just happened because it's already a sensitive situation and the teams aren't real comfortable training with each other uh, white Sox have been on the, the end of at least one pretty horrible trade uh in most of our lifetimes uh and of course white Sox got the best of them last time around uh, any chance like a chris bryant or a, a Contreras gets thrown out there at all or the or the cubs just going to hold out for like double the haul from the white Sox just as a makeup as they take from any other team If we continue to troll them, they will never trade us again. I think the Cubs have ceased all trade ideas with the. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. 
I've missed you, Scott. I've missed you. Very nice. I don't just punt on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, they give it, they give out, they, I don't know. I, you're, we're suspecting they're very sensitive. They don't seem very sensitive. They seem pretty bullheaded and, well, I don't know. I wouldn't because it's probably not going to go well. Something about Rick Hahn that's like grew up on the North side or whatever. He's got their number, but uh, yeah, I might not, but it's, it's interesting. They, they got some guys and I don't think they're playing for anything in the second half, but maybe we should just shut down the Cubs portion of this. Okay. Uh, let's uh, okay. Well, Adam Eaton's gone, uh, but let's talk about another guy who is not terribly likable. Uh, and let's talk about something bad in baseball that doesn't have to do with the White Sox. We've talked a lot about Tony La Russa this year, and there's been some real stumbles, of course. Uh, let's talk about Trevor Bauer very briefly, I suppose. I mean, there's no new news there. I mean, jag bag's a jag bag. Nothing's really changed. I guess what's interesting to me is, though he has been, um, what, colorful? I don't know that he's been, let's say, criminal as we might expect him to be uh with closing uh, pitching with one eye and all the all the colorful stuff right chucking a ball into the stands whatever he does um given that um what the dodgers have done and what dodgers players have done in distancing themselves from him i think is notable i think it's of course the only call but it's still interesting that that temperature changed as quickly as it did as dastardly as what's out there is i mean no doubt about it uh it's encouraging it's discouraging he was signed in the first place for nine figures but is that encouraging i want to say at the end of the day what the dodgers did removing his apparel or whatever taking the bobblehead night away that's just avoiding a pr disaster there's no real I mean, they, they basically did nothing. He's still on the team. They didn't even put him on the leave. The MLB had to put him on the leave. So they've done nothing. They don't care. They have alienated any and all female fans at this point. Um, Signing him in the first place alienated it, but he's a piece of shit. There's no way around it. Even if he's not convicted, he still, you know, put his hands on a woman. She was unconscious. She could not consent being unconscious. Um, so there's no reason that he should be anywhere in this league. There's no reason the Dodgers should retain him anymore. There's no reason he should be making any more money. He's a piece of shit. The Dodgers need to learn very quickly that they need to completely just brush him away good on the players for standing up and unfollowing him on social media. But at the end of the day, nothing is done until he is no longer playing baseball. So, I mean, I guess a slow clap for their PR <laughs> team, but he's still a piece of shit. He shouldn't be playing. Um, and this really just does a lot to female fans. Not that I was ever a Bauer fan, but he wasn't a good role model before this came out. So why is he still here? Please nope. part ways with him. Let him rot somewhere with his agent. 
<laughs> yeah. And no clap for uh, Stan Caston, who had that very strange crack about like changing the t- or like steering the topic away from what was kind of very much making light of what was anticipated to be questions about the situation. I understand people like, uh, you know, the manager and even players, I guess to some degree, maybe hands are tied. Uh, but the idea that you're going to you're going to decide to make consciously make light of something to try to steer away. Obviously, it's uncomfortable for everybody involved, but uh, being uncomfortable does not mean making making jokes. Uh, does not mean uh, um, you know they get gaslighting in some way. And uh, you know, the Dodgers are are guilty of that. They were slow to act. Uh, Chris, you're right to point out, and certainly by no means am I wanting to pat them too hard on the back at all. Uh, it is good that some teammates have said, "All right, this guy's done with me." And I suppose that movement grows uh the dodgers hand is really forced if it hasn't if that decision hasn't already been made that hand's been been forced yeah i mean i'm uncomfortable every day and i'm not making jokes about someone who has assaulted and abused a woman so they can get over it really quickly um but like i said he has no business being here he's vile reading that article it took Mm -hmm. me three days to actually finish that because I was just sick to my stomach every single time I tried. And that probably isn't even all of it. There's a ton of things that people don't, the public don't know. They have no idea. They aren't reading like the pictures are out there and I can't bring myself to even look at those. So don't be so slow because you are seriously alienating an entire half of a fan base. And then you have his little minions <laughs> who can stay out of my replies forever because you're just going to get blocked. But it's disgusting that it took the MLB to actually put him on leave in the first place. It's pretty weird or rare in this day and age to uh, as much as we're hardened to some rough news it's pretty tough to be surprised by details. And I would say that story uh, definitely uh, outkicked any, any possibility. What I thought the story was, and then actually getting what the story is, that was jaw dropping for sure. Is Trevor Bauer done in the majors? Is he going to pitch this year? Is he going to pitch ever again in the majors? He better not. I, I really, I hope not. I don't, I don't trust the MLB for a lot, but I, I really hope that they finally take a stand on something. But yeah, I think, I mean, clearly I think everybody, especially the Dodgers were very slow to act on this. And I think, I don't know, that's worrisome too, just because I like back when he was a free agent, I was really hoping like the White Sox wouldn't sign him because there were just not, not, I never expected this, but there were warning signs of just how he interacted with people and especially how he interacted with women. And it just was something that I just didn't want to have to deal with as a fan. And so I was glad when he didn't sign here. And I feel like just on some level, I'm disappointed in the Dodgers, just kind of not wanting to take any sort of real stand on this. Yeah. You know, because the second that story comes out, you need to be prepared with, with something of value to say. And, some action to take you mean not go forward with your pre-scheduled uh tweet in conjunction with the white Sox of some sort of vote black and blue for the all-star game that was that was a nice touch well done dodgers social media i it was it was interesting in the off season when his name came up as a possibility for the white Sox. So the white Sox are going for it you got to go for the cy young award winner and you know i know and many other people i certainly was one who cautioned listen I don't care what the stats say. And by the way, the stats ain't, ain't 
they ain't all that in the first place. But what this guy is going to do to your clubhouse for whatever he might do in terms of like one tip he could give another starter, some great influence he might have had on Dylan Cease, let's say. This guy is going to poison your team. Now, granted, no one, I, maybe not no one. In fact, there might be at least one particular someone in our group right now who could have anticipated this. But uh, these details are extraordinary. And when we are talking of tempering enthusiasm for Trevor Bauer, it's not in this category at all. It's just he's not a good teammate. The fact that he's <laughs> he's blown way past that, not even with one half of baseball under his contract, um, that's that's some devotion to being a bad guy we warned you all of the women we warned you and nobody listened i mean some did but for the most part nobody listened we we can recognize these people we've dealt with these people in our own lives i mean i can it's it's horrifying i can count you know fingers, toes, and more about how many times things like that have happened to me. And I think every single person on this podcast and every single person listening on this podcast either knows someone that it has happened to or knows someone that it's happened to, but they don't realize it because that person did not want to say it because it sucks. It sucks reliving it. It sucks reporting it. It sucks. And once people get this through their head, maybe they'll understand why all of these women were saying, we do not want him on our team. This was before the sexual assault allegations and the abuse allegations. This was just simply the trolling mm-hmm. and putting his minions to docs and harass women just online. Like we knew, we knew what we were saying. And it just brings that point in that you need to, believe us because we know we knew what kind of person he was going into this yeah and uh, the agent didn't do much favors either i mean you've got this little posse of these these intimidators uh out there which uh is inappropriate under any circumstances certainly when you're trying to sell your services to a major league baseball team for nine figures um interesting play but if you got the disease in you, you can't just, no amount of soap is going to scrub it out. And uh, unfortunately, you know, really, unfortunately, we've seen it come to light very quickly, um, shamefully quickly. And, uh, uh, you know, certainly led into this, you know, a little bit jokingly in that finally we can talk about something, you know, negative that doesn't involve the White Sox. That's probably not really the way to intro this, but it is something we need uh, to address. And I'm sure it is going to be addressed in other podcasts on Southside Sox to come, but we do want to touch on it. Uh, we haven't really addressed it yet, and it's got to be the right time to do that. And, uh, and Crystal, thank you for taking the lead and sharing some of your thoughts and feelings about that. Um, a situation in Los Angeles is marred and otherwise um, pretty decent first half. And certainly when it comes to Chicago and Southside fans, it's been a pretty terrific uh, first half. So how about we all just get, maybe we just keep the luck going, especially if this leads to a sweep. Let's go. Let's all get together in three days and talk again. Talk about how great this first half has been. We just repeat a lot of stuff. Um, Zoom tells me we're running out of time. So uh, thanks everybody for joining. Guitar Socks, about time you showed back up. Tyrone, thank you for keeping the street going. Crystal, invaluable MVP effort. Darren Brown, you're the man. Keep the win, get a win streak going. Get tips from Crystal because she's got, she's the queen of the win streak. Thanks everybody for listening, watching, reading, 
We'll have more Southside Sox podcasts coming up real soon.